Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. We are going to talk today about the stairway to change. This is the first episode in our series on family goals and parenting styles. Yeah. And I guess it all started for me with, I was going to kind of do opposite day. And so my, my goal as a child, you know, kind of dreaming was to create that family um, and that uh, idyllic connection that I didn't have growing up. What was your childhood like growing up? Well, um, my pa- first of all, my parents were divorced. My dad was remarried a couple times, but um, there was sexual abuse. There was a lot of anger um, and um, a lot of neglect. I kind of was like um, off doing my own thing, kind of running the streets and, and um, went to like neighbors' houses a lot, like for meals and sleepovers and kind of observed like, wow, you, you have a whole different dynamic than our home. And so when you like tell them what our childhood, your childhood looked like from like the ages of one to nine. I think ages one to nine, it was pretty idyllic. I think we had um, a very close connection between, you know, me and my brother. And on paper, it was your stereotypical perfect family. You know, we had family dinners every night. There was very little conflict in the home. Um, And I think that, you know, I had a really great childhood. Yeah. And I mean, that was my goal. My goal was to really just create, you know, like kind of like the June Cleaver of the 1990s, you know? Um, Well done. Well, thank you. Thank (laughs) you. But, but, uh, but what happened during that time is I, um, I decided, I finally faced the sexual abuse. And at that time um, I went through counseling and I kind of had to deal with and decided to deal with through my Christian lens, like what does it look like to be abused by your dad and what does that do to your heart? And I went through that healing. Do you have any memories from that time? Yeah. I just remember you kind of being like checked out. Like it was obvious that you were going through something. Um, And I remember, you know, you being in your room a lot. Um, It was like, I, I would describe it as like seeing someone go through depression, um, very like checked out. But I think that was just your process of healing from trauma. Right. And I think that you were protecting us by checking out because it was so traumatic. Um, and you didn't want to expose us to that at nine years old. Right, right. I mean, it was too heavy for you to carry. And and so, and I, I remember like, like sleeping in and not really getting up for breakfast because um, like at night, I sometimes I wouldn't be able to sleep. And, um, you know, I, I guess I wasn't okay. And I think when, when in families, when an adult is not okay, the kids know, right? The kids know, and, and they're, they is, might not know what's going on, but they know that there's something going on. Right. And so, um, and so what ended up happening as I got healed, uh, from a spiritual point of view is the manifestation of my, um, uh, in our family, what I discovered is that I'm trying to create this illusion, this perfect family dynamic only to realize that my major, major spiritual problem is that I use perfectionism to try to, because I felt worthless because of the abuse. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, around nine o'clock, nine o'clock, 
around nine years old, we really started to get more involved in church and religion and you needed to heal from your abuse and you used your Christian faith to help you do that. But then it almost like swung in the other direction where it was like, we were going to become this perfect Christian family. Right. Right. And um, in our next session, we'll talk about like the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of religion and the kingdom of God. But so I went out of like trying to get all my worth and value from um, my, uh, in the world, you know, having this perfect family to like, now I'm going to, I'm going to be a super Christian. I'm going to be this great Christian. And, and I couldn't ever view or, or receive scriptures through love. I always kind of had law because I hadn't healed my heart. And, um, and so that really kind of did a lot of damage, um, kind of an almost a spiritual abuse, I think in our family. And, you know, I was never abused the way that you were abused, but the dysfunction that was in our family, you, you describe it as like the, um, dysfunction coming out sideways. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I think though what happens is first of all, you know, uh, I'm just going to give a little, like we, I believe, and I'm doing this in faith because I believe that all families need this class because, um, you know, 50% of the people in the United States come from divorced homes. And that's like, like, dysfunction light, you know, like, like, right. let's like the, the good, the easy dysfunction, you know, that's not the bad dysfunction. And then you go into the trauma of all these kinds of abuse. And so what happens, um, you know, in our generational patterns is like, I didn't repeat sexual abuse or neglect, but it came out sideways in a different type of dysfunction. So mine was more like, I'm going to control another person, which, you know, control. Does God control us? You know, no. And so here I am trying to control and manage and not letting people be, have the freedom to be who God created them to be. Right. And this whole perfectionistic, um, you know, you wanted the perfect family. And if I didn't fit that perfect family, then that was an issue. And there was a lot of criticism um, and control. Right. And resentment from my part. And that resentment came out in disrespect to you as my parent. Right. Because I was bitter from being controlled. And her alley at the name Allison means truth. And so a lot of times in families where there's this kind of sideways dysfunction, there's this one, there's this one kid or this one person who is kind of labeled the black sheep because they won't play by the rules. Like the rule is everybody shuts up and gets along and pretends like we're a, a happy, perfect peace family. at all costs. Yeah. Peace at all costs. And then you get this truth teller person who's like, Hey, you know, your words are not matching your actions. I have this Bible verse that, um, I wanted to share. It's first John three eighteen. It says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And, you know, I, have a very good meter when it comes to hypocrisy. I feel like I can definitely tell um, when, you know, you're saying one thing and your actions don't line up with that. Right. It's like li- living with a prosecuting attorney when she was little. <laughs> <laughs> they always said I'd make a good lawyer. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I'm so grateful for that. At the time, I wasn't grateful, believe me. But I'm so grateful because, you know, somehow God gave me the ability to not just shut you down but to go home, go into my heart in the night and go, okay, is there any piece of truth in what she's saying? You know, is there anything that, you know, I really wanted to say, like, as, as I'm going to own my, my part 
Um, and so, and you guys had to teach me how to disagree respectfully too, is I was very, um, angry and bitter and disrespectful, but there was some truth to what I was saying. Right. And so I, I needed to be taught how to communicate, um, in a way that fostered positive relationships. Right. And, and one of the two things kind of came out of this one, um, through this process of Allie becoming this truth teller, I had this revelation of what love is, like a, a, a real definition of love. And I also had this revelation that I deserve to be talked to with respect, even though what she might be saying is true. Um, no one talks to me like that. And how am I going to stop this pattern that I have allowed to happen? Yeah. And I think, you know, this pattern developed between the ages of zero and nine when we were our perfect what is it, June Cleaver family? Right. When we had the perfect Leave It to Beaver family, the pattern developed that um, I got my way a lot because peace was the number one goal. And so it was kind of like I learned how to be manipulative and kind of drive the narrative so that I got what I wanted. Right. Allie definitely, um, you know, with both my kids, I mean, they, they controlled me. I was like a puppet on a string and, um, their manipulation, their conflict between, uh, between one another, you know, they just knew how to play me and I was being played continually, you know, make this child happy and feel good about themselves. Oh, this one's talking, calling out the other child, make this child feel happy. That must've been exhausting. It was exhausting. And even to this day, I get anxiety, as you know, if like you and your brother are going to be together here, you guys are in your thirties. Um, and you guys are, I'm, I'm learning to trust that you have changed too. And you've matured and you don't play me like that anymore. But um, I do get anxious if we're going to be like around each other for a long because time. Because that was such a, a constant thread in our family relationship was you playing the middleman. Right. And also, I guess I kind of wanted to be your God, you know, because I was the one who was going to make you happy. I was going to meet your needs. And I think I really um, kind of interfered in your spiritual formation that, you know, your first thought even as adults, isn't like, I'm going to ask God to help me. It's like, I got to call mom. Yeah. <laughs> and I think millennials can definitely relate to that. Um, you know, it was the whole quote unquote adulting thing that was, um, you know, viral is like, Oh, I'm, I'm learning how to be an adult. I'm quote unquote adulting. And then now, you know, it still is, well, who do I call 20 times a day, FaceTime 20 times a day, even as a mom myself right, is my mom. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do just because we have such a fabulous relationship now. now yeah. Um, but how did we get there? You know, like what was, what were your goals for us growing up and how, how can our listeners who are listening to this maybe going like, man, you know, there's so much dysfunction in my life and my relationships with my family. How do you get there? Well, I mean, I I could tell you what my verbal goals were, which were like, I wanted to raise you to be a good citizen. I wanted you to be polite. I wanted you to be able to make money and be successful. Um, I, I wanted you, especially when I became really, you know, strong in my faith, I wanted you to follow God, you know, that scripture, like teach the child the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. It was huge, but the way that I interpreted it was like, it's on me. Like, I have to make sure they know their scripture. I have to know that they, you know, know right from wrong. I have to. And so I kind of became this like quoter of scripture, kind of this preachy, um, you know, Bible thumper, Bible thumper. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so I felt, and so I really never gave the Holy spirit very much room to convict 
yeah. <laughs> or or teach because I was always taking that role. Right. And and but the Lord really um, through this started to show me as I got healthy, like what is your definition of love? And so um, in this curriculum, our definition is. Uh, speaking, behaving, and responding on behalf of a loved one for their highest good. And that highest good is so key. What is like the highest good? Right. And so like, you know, just when I, when I think, well, think about it, like, well, if my toddler wants to have ice cream for breakfast, well, no, and it's easy there, you know, no, you can't have, I love you too much. You're going to have eggs, you know? Um, but it gets a little bit trickier when, um, you know, you see suffering in your family, like, Right. So, you know, I went through a, a phase where I was very dependent on alcohol and I was living at home. Life kind of hit a rock bottom for me. And, you know, you guys um, didn't necessarily make my life easier during that time. You saw the suffering and instead of, you know, enabling that behavior, you made me very uncomfortable and kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone to go and seek help. Yeah, that was a really hard time because, you know, God allowed something like I couldn't fix an alcohol problem. And, 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 but I had done this work before the stairway to change so much that God had, um, built in me that I would, I had this thing, this thing that I called silent on the outside, praying on the inside. So like, I would see something that I couldn't control that maybe I wanted to say something, but instead of saying it, I would say, Lord, you see this, you know, work, work in her, work in her, work in her. Um, and um, it was a huge act of faith to let you have the consequences of that yeah, <laughs> and, and, and to let, allow you to suffer because your highest good wasn't for me to cover for you in any way, right. it was for you to get the full weight of, of the consequences of your actions. of your actions. And you know, that, that was, I think, like a culminating point of using this process of steroid to change. And it started small. Yes, in our relationships. Do you want to talk about what the stairway to change is? Yeah, the stairway to change is, um, is how you know, we can, um, because we, we can't criticize somebody into change. And so if you could, everyone would be, you know, perfect, perfect. Yeah. I mean, so we can't criticize, we can't hint, we can't manipulate. The only thing we can do is we can change our personal response in the midst of a behavior that a loved one's doing, having, and it's for their highest good. And so, for example, um, Allie's um, normal behavior was that um, she would get her way. Right. And so she would act ugly and throw fits, be persistent. And so um, I started to realize that I wasn't loving her by giving her her way. Right. And so what I had to do. And my response to that was to push back even harder. Right. Throw an absolute fit tantrum, screaming, right. Do whatever I could to get my way because I was so used to getting my way. Right. You had been trained. And and the thing about the reason why it's so important to go through our family dynamics is like the reason why Allie acted like that is because it worked for her. If I just reacted strong enough, if only I threw a big enough fit, eventually she would give in. Right. And so I would want the peace over the the conflict. And so like, so we have our, our normal, which is mom's the doormat. 
Allie is the person that has to be appeased or placated. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I would, I would become aware of this and what I really remember is like, um, I had this like bubbly rage feeling where like, I'm going to scream the F word at her if she does that one more time. And let's be honest, sometimes that did happen. Yes, it did. And then, and then, I mean, the way that, and, and I think that like when that happens, you as a mom look back and think something has to change. Like I'm not going to be that person. And, and, and my words aren't matching my beliefs. I mean, um, I'm a follower of Christ, not a shouter of the F word, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, that was really like a big mirror for me, like what's going on here. And I think that ultimately we needed to find a, a way to communicate better. Right. That was your goal. So you saw that we were not communicating. Right. And that you would drive me to this point. And so the behavior I wanted to change is I wanted to say, I don't want to get to the point that I, that I shout the F word. Mm -hmm. So how can I know that's happening? And so when I would feel that bubbly rage feeling, I would, I would make a vow to myself. That would be, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to get her the next time she disrespects me. I'm going to give a consequence. So I would wait almost like with my hands running together, like, okay, I'm ready because she needs a consequence because, um, and the point is, is like, by the time you get to that ragey feeling, you've already probably let somebody get away with stuff six too times much. too much. So right. that was like a sign to me, like pay attention to what your emotions. Right. Okay. So, so then as soon as she would be disrespectful, I'd say, give me your phone. And how would you feel about that? I'm angry. <laughs> I think any teenager uh, would be angry, but almost like you've got to be kidding me for that. Yeah. Like for me, just doing this one little, you know, talk right. back or one little piece of disrespect. Now I have to give you my phone. I think, I think that there was a part of you that wanted to say, you're taking away my phone for this. I'm usually much worse. <laughs> you never do a darn thing about it. Right. <laughs> now this time you're but, taking away my phone. But I think also, um, my behavior would get worse because, you know, here I am, um, now you've displeased me. I've displeased you. And so th that's breaking the rules of the family dynamic. The rules of the family dynamic is Allie gets angry. Mom tiptoes, Allie wins. And so now I'm saying, no, I'm going to take your phone away every time you're disrespectful to me. And so, you know, I started to be, because as soon as you make that ch change in the way you respond, then it gets worse. So like there'd be door slamming. I'm not going to talk to you. Please, please, please wheedling. Can I have my phone back? You know? Um, and I would, instead of being like those working, I would count them like, oh, good. This is where it gets worse before it gets better. Yay. Right. And anytime that you're trying to create change in the family dynamics, it is going to get worse right. before it gets better. And that like you said, is a sign that it's working. Yeah. And so that becomes instead of like, oh gosh, you know, it's getting worse. I have to stop. It becomes for me like, yeah, hold through. And so then it became where I could just see you literally bite your lip. You'd be ready to just like lash out and you turn and you'd walk away. And so, and that became our, our new normal that I adapted to your new response. Right. So people adapt. And then, and then we have this new normal which is that you don't talk to me in a disrespectful way when you're right. angry that you have, and you have the ability to control yourself. Right. Um, and so that is just the way that some of this stairway to changes happened in, in our family. So to sum it up, um, we have the normal, the normal behavior. You have a different response to that normal behavior. Things are going to get worse, but eventually people adapt. And then your new normal is the desired behavior that you want. Right. And, 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 and it, it, it's a baby steps. Mm -hmm. Um, and it does take time. And, um, you know, 
with the when we look at the the um, long term effects that you know if you if this is ringing true for you with your family dynamics, just know that baby steps add up over time. Right. And so we look at this big life changing thing for me, where we needed to change my behavior in a drastic way, um, where it came to my alcohol dependency. Right. And you had practiced enough that we were able to get there. And um, I wouldn't say that you changed my behavior, you know, I changed my behavior, right. but our interactions with another with one another, you stopped enabling me. And that right led to me choosing um, a better choice. And I mean, ma- and maybe when everybody stopped appeasing you was one of the things where you had to kind of feel your pain, right? And, you know, and the alcohol was that crutch that you turned to, right? Um, and then me not rescuing and dad not rescuing, you know, you came to the point where you had to to figure it out myself and with the Lord and yeah. it ultimately resulted in you with the Lord. You know, I have a uh, one-year-old and he loves screen time. And, you know, there's been times when mom's exhausted and has to clean the house and I have plopped him down in front of the TV and put on his uh, helper car show, which is on YouTube. And he loves watching right. it. And one day I turned it off and he freaked out as, you know, a 15 month old. And I was like, oh no. Right. Like what? <laughs> we need to change this behavior immediately. And, you know, so the next day I, we watched, uh, he watches it in the morning when he has his bottle and I turned it off immediately after one episode, one, you know, seven minute right, episode right. was over. Right. And he pitched it again. And the next day, turned it off, and man, he pitched a fit, like laid on the floor. <laughs> I've never seen him do that. I didn't know that. And then, you know, by the third day, he realized when I turned it off, oh, you know, TV time is over. Now it's time for us to go play. Right. And would just go to his car. And I think that that is just one small example of how adaptable, especially children are. So if you're seeing a behavior with your family that you don't like, you know, we've talked about like the disrespect we talk about, you know, even alcohol dependency, it goes from, it runs the gamut. I think that this, this practice can help people, but you just really need to know that it takes time. You know, it's not going to be three days for every, um, area that you want to quote unquote fix or every, um, every area of dysfunction that you see. No, no. And, and, and sometimes, unfortunately, we'll get into it, um, you know, because of our choices, you know, with change, with, with people, you know, we can, uh, there are times where, you know, there's fight, flee, freeze, Mm -hmm. fawn, you know, where we get into certain family members that like, they're not safe enough for you to even work this process out with. Right. They're too abusive. Right. And so, um, and so that you know, brings a whole nother family dynamic. You know, how do you limit the relationship and how do you decide how much of a relationship you want with a, with a particular And we'll get into that when we um, start talking about safe people and um, setting boundaries and that sort of thing. I just want to encourage our listeners though, that if you are going to start this star- stairway to change this process to give yourself time because the perfect family relationship doesn't exist, and improving your family dynamics is an ongoing process, but all it takes is for one person to choose that healthy change in order to make serious improvements in your family relationships. Absolutely. It's worth it. It's worth the struggle.
Thank you for listening to Families Matter Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening.